meanwhile, on Dork and Beans. Sorry, I really wanted to start one of them that way. Um, I'm undecided if we're going to get any kind of, like, intro music or theme or something. I think it's a good idea, just because, uh, I don't know, it seems less amateurish, and also it's catchy. Um, I know the one, I don't listen to too many podcasts, funny enough, but um, the, the ones I do are usually just YouTube channels that I listen to in podcast form, like uh, CinemaSins has the Sincast. Uh, that's actually a specific podcast, but you know what I mean. Like, Movie Fights is just their thing as is without the video, but it's disadvantageous to listen to it as a podcast because a lot of time it's, like, uh, my friend Jeff just listens to it, and I used to watch it on YouTube, and it's like, oh, remember how this and that, and he was wearing that shirt, and, you know, like, no. <laughs> so uh, the, the Sincast one has a very recognizable, like, gorillas style, like, the band, not the apes it's like do 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 but like it you know you recognize that it's them i guess you recognize that it seems like it's a gorilla song as well but uh yeah it doesn't really matter i guess i'll get get back to you guys on that one or one day you'll just open up an episode and then you'll hear a song i would want something very short but um anyway it was super bowl sunday yesterday people watching, listening. Um, I'm going to take a long shot and say a lot of people aren't interested in the Super Bowl that are listening to this, but power to you either way. The Patriots won. Uh, it was 13-3, which is cool. They're against the Rams, LA Rams. Um, I will say what I usually say about a, a football game that is, it would be a lot more interesting if it was literal, and it was a field of Rams versus some time-displaced Patriots from the 13 colonies of America. <laughs> um, that's always great. And if you have, a, you know, the dolphins versus broncos and cowboy, I don't know. I feel like I'm going to stupid myself and then say things that aren't football teams. Um, again, I'm coming to you guys in the morning, so I should get a little bit of a excuse. Um, had a weird weekend. Did a lot of stuff. Um, yesterday not just the Super Bowl in the evening, not that I really did anything for it, and just sort of watched it via the internet, but uh, we went for a, my wife and I went with some friends to like a drag queen brunch, and both of those things are fun on their own. I understand why someone would like put that together. It's at this like Toronto historic gay book shop place, and uh, it's fun. It's always nice to see a drag show, although people never understand that if you're in a small enclosed space, you have to like get someone who knows sound systems put in your speakers because when you're in a small I mean anytime you do it whether it's like a speech or some sort of speaker or talk or whether it's like a small band or like an indie performance or something like when you have a small space and they're just cranking it up because they think that's what people want it's so deafening and it really takes away the experience anyway it was fun besides that and besides the like kind of super racist routine of one of the people um We've reached sort of like a strange cultural headspace now where we're trying to like backpedal on previous racist philosophies and and, um, acceptances. So now, like, for example, I'm just coming, you know, a long way around it is like it's okay now to be racist towards white people. And as someone who I I don't really identify as as a white person, not, you know, to use that identify as seems pretty 
2019. But I mean it genuinely in that I was raised by a distinct culture that's not... Like, I'm, I was raised by Jewish parents, right? So, I mean, like, you could make the argument that may or may not make you... I don't know. Depends where you're from. I went to a synagogue that was for Iraqi Jews, or like a Sephardic sect of Judaism. Like, if you look up uh, Hank Azaria, it's like probably the famous one I reference people to. His Wikipedia page will explain it. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of, like... This this person had a routine, like an old, um, you know, like an old grungy '90s stand-up routine of like the difference between like you know black people and black people, like kind of just like you know the difference between like white people and Caucasians is. I'm sitting there, I'm like, this could be funny. Like, there's some good material you can make here, and they just went on about stealing. <laughs> like, I never really, I've never really heard uh, that stereotype before, but sure, and it just like it turned into just. A tirade of like, you know, oh, white people are always stealing, and like sometimes I steal things, and I'm like, oh, I feel white. It just, it, just, it wasn't jokes, and then like, you get this like frenzied crowd of like, um, um, you know, I don't want to, I'm not saying it in a derogatory way, but like a room full of people who are genderless and hate the establishment, let's just say, and like sitting there, like I'm just trying to enjoy my grilled cheese, man. I don't need some fucking racism throwing around the restaurant makes me uncomfortable when there's racism towards anyone, man. Um, people, case in point, one of the main things when I was kind of close to putting down my, firstly, it took us like an hour and a half to get our food. So I was gonna say, I was put down my fork and it was like, I hadn't even fucking started to eat. But they used the, I feel like I'm gonna say it in iTunes is gonna flag it, but the word faggot, I'm sorry, apologies for using it. It's just, if you say the F word, it gets, I don't know, I'm sure there's a, English word for a stick or a cigarette or something. You know what I mean? They use that indiscriminately, constantly. And they use it in a way that is, is derogatory. They'll be like, oh, that little... And it's like, you, you're, you're not doing any good for anybody by doing that. You're just making a word commonplace. And I use the absolute same argument for the N-word. I don't think anybody should be cool to say that because if it's a word that we collectively want to remove from the lexicon and we want to, like move past it because it is such a negative and racist connotation, then there's like absolutely no need to uh, to have certain people feel like they can say it. And I don't think anyone should tell people not to say it. I guess because it's a big freedom of speech violation and it's really tough. I just think everyone should independently have the good grace and common sense to be like, I should not say that word. And that's the same like for the N and for the F and it just, for Jews it's the K and I mean for Chinese people, there's a C word that even leaves a sort of negative. It's not the same level, but I, I just, you know, we're at the point where nobody really needs to say those words anymore. I think, like, like so many alternatives, so many more fun things, and so many, honestly, like, more insulting things you could say. You could call someone a cunt any day of the week, and I'm sorry if, like, that offends people as well. And I'm waiting to have the culture catch up in 2020 where I'm telling people that that's probably a hurtful thing to say. But I mean, like, you, you don't need to specifically attack people's race or identity or... The big thing for me, I've never actually in my life insulted anybody because of their weight because my dad was, like, a abusive monster and he would, like, make fun of people's weights all the time and, like, make fun of me to, like, people. I'll get into it one day. I'll have, like, a bunch of alcohol adjacent and I'll make an episode about it. But, um, no, I mean, I think, like... I make fun of people all the time. This channel's called Dork and Beans because I make beans. I complain about stuff because I don't mind doing that. I like it. it you know, I, 
I've been a dedicated person who's worked in the service industry, in the public sector, in the government, in the private sector. When I'm held to that standard that I hold myself to so that I can give quality work to everybody, I don't think it's unfair to hold other people to that. So I call it out when I don't see it. But I don't insult people based on things that they can't change or they can't mitigate and or cosmetic and just not um, you know it's not not nice I would say so like you could be scathing and insulting in a way that's almost not personal or it is personal in ways that people can uh, anyway you can add maybe your opinions on this not in an insulting way I think uh, that's where humor comes from is the ability to laugh at ourselves and each other but just there's certain certain ways that you can do it where you're not afraid to throw those punches at people, but you're not just throwing dick punches all the time, you know? I'm not trying to advocate for a PC comedy. It's, you know, like, I like to laugh at dirty jokes as much as the next person, but it's, you know, how you make them dirty or what the... Y'all get it. Um, so that was Sunday. What the hell did I do on Saturday? I feel like I'm always... Oh, yeah, okay, so... <laughs> went to Mandarin, which is the greatest and never a bad meal. I want to give a shout-out to Mandarin. I give no benefit to this other than every time I go there, without fail, the staff are amazing. I think that's a, it's an American and Canadian franchise. Uh, if you're unfamiliar, I guess through England, perhaps, or Australia, wherever you're from, if you don't know, it's an all-you-can-eat uh, Asian buffet-style restaurant serving lots of, like, mainland Chinese food, um, some Japanese, like the sushi table and stuff, and then even some, like, waffles and pizza for white people. And I say that not out of racism because I've been there in like birthday parties and stuff with my friends and you know, Mitchell's getting chicken wings and cool whip. So uh, you know, something for everyone in Mandarin. But the people there are often like people of Walmart esque and gross and so et cetera. <laughs> I won't delve. But the staff are always on point, man. They're always nice, they're well dressed, they're on you, like white on rice. <laughs> they're just they're attentive, they got hot towels and like lemon scented it's great anyway crushed a mandarin before going to see glass and i love glass that's really what i wanted to talk about in this episode glass was so fucking good glass is the m night Shyamalan conclusion of the Shyamalan trilogy it's like the i don't know the like uptown 787 trilogy like it's named after the train that keeps getting referenced i just don't remember unbreakable well enough because i saw it like four years ago I actually saw it when I was a kid and I hated it and I'm like this is fucking boring and kind of scary and then I got older and I'm like this is a superhero movie and I was like moved um, and it definitely I wanted to just work, you know, reference something that we talked about a couple weeks ago I guess, I don't know time it was in the Venom episode where we talked about um, how marketing and advertising can really slant the perception and the public image for how a lot of things are interpreted. Because Venom was, was given this, like, soft, gentle, romantic, cartoony advertising in China, and it, the reception was huge versus here, where it was gritty and dark. And it, yeah, so I went into Split with this idea that it was a superhero movie. And actually, I was told it was the best supervillain origin movie ever. 
and I'd heard that as like a YouTube thumbnail or something, and I went into it, and you definitely get, I wouldn't say more, but you get a different flavor out of it if you are expecting that, because if you expect it, you get this sort of clairvoyance to be able to see what's really going on in the movie and that it's something greater than just a spooky, like, oh my God, are the girls going to get out? Like, you know, it's not just a horror movie where the disposable, this is like the origins or the creation of, of something larger, which is cool. And I saw Split way after I knew Bruce Willis was at the, like, that it was part of the thing. It, it, I can only imagine seeing that in theaters and seeing uh, Dunn show up and, like, damn, that would have been cool. But, sorry, coffee break. I didn't, so. Uh, but Glass was fantastic. I had seen, I, I rewatched Split recently just to get my, you know, ready for it. And I think the, the coolest thing was how you had a character that, you know, however, like 1916, whatever, like how many years ago was Unbreakable? And you could just reinsert these two in there with someone that you just brought in last year and they fit seamlessly. It was perfect. Um, it was very satisfying as a conclusion to, to everything that's happened. It involved the train again in more ways, which was very cool. I like that sort of central... Uh, stone that it's all sort of revolving around. Um, yeah, one hundred percent. I think we're we're seeing the M Night Shyamalan's Shyamalan's. It's a renaissance of Shyamalan. Shyamalan's. I'll get. I'll, we'll. I'll rework that. But he's. He, I don't want to say he's back and jinx it, and I, he has also never been. Contrary to that one fucking article and whatever it was, he's never been at the next Spielberg. He's always been sort of an indie-ish in feeling director, right? Everything he's made that's been substantial has been, you know, drama and slow-paced. And I think we're going to keep seeing that stuff from him. And I think now, hopefully, he's on the up and up and they're going to be consistently good because I think The Visit was... I watched The Visit. Um, yeah, I don't feel like it pays out as much as I wanted it to, but it was worthwhile. I was on edge for a little bit. And, you know, these three, it feels like... Unbreakable was in the past 10 years now because of the other two happening, but no, I feel like he's back. Um, Mr. Glass was, in my mind, the hero of the movie, and I have this this argument with my wife and and my sister-in-law because they're like, oh, no, he just did it because he's selfish, and like, I don't want to... I'm going to give you a spoiler alert. You should turn it off if you haven't seen the movie, but the movie's amazing. The, The shadowy nurse hospital place abducts the three of them you know Mr. Glass the Horde and uh, they call him the Overseer or the Watcher or something or Mr. Tiptoe Man (laughs) but they're taken in uh, and they're held in this facility and they're trying to like rehabilitate them and by the end of it obviously like this all out brawl happens but Mr. Glass makes sure that everything sort of goes according to his plan and it's all like this genius level intellect scheme wherein it's all layered and you thought you had figured it out but it turns out he was a step ahead of you and they realized this only too late he essentially had broadcasted uh, the fight between the two you know um, the overseer and the horde wherein 
the world can now see it despite interested parties trying to keep it all a secret. So he was successful in unmasking the fact that the world has superheroes. But then he goes a step further and he sends the footage to the significant others of each of these people because each of them has like, like if um, for the Horde it's like the girly kidnapped in the first one who is amazing. I'm like really entranced by this person. I think there should be like a ton more movies. Like for the, I looked it up. She's like in, in her 20s. I thought she was a kid and that's why I was like so impressed by the acting. But still for like, the acting is solid. Like it's the kind of, you could pay less to get lower name actors like this person and give them amazing roles because they will excel because they're amazing or you could like pay a ton to get a name and they'll give you a mediocre one. But I mean, both movies consistently, to be honest, it was, well, she was a lot more impressive than Split. I mean, she didn't really have a ton to do in this movie. But uh, anyway, great movies. But Mr. Glass, (laughs) he made sure that the world knew. He made sure that he debunked the efforts of this uh, sort of, antagonist corporation. I don't want to spoil too much just because I don't want to gut the movie for you. Like, you should see it. But he didn't do it selfishly. He did it. And then he, you know, it was for the validation and the the fact that I was right and I get to say I was right. But he immediately dispersed his findings to other people for no gain. And uh, I think he went out kind of a hero. I think he spent his, his life tormented and in pain. And I think compared to what he saw David Dunn being able to do, he considered himself a villain, and no matter how much you consider yourself a villain and and try to paint that way, it's your actions that define you. And I think at the end, he acted heroically. I don't know how else to put it. You could make the argument that he just did his own selfish bidding, and it came out kind of benevolent for everybody. And I get that. I, I, I definitely respect that opinion, but... No, I think you, you know, you can, it's like Megamind, and I fucking love that movie. If I haven't already talked about it, I'm going to have an episode on it, because I fucking love that movie. I also need a better way to keep track of what I've talked about. That's a different issue. Um, in Megamind, you have a villain who's lived his life being forced and kind of pigeonholed into this role of being a villain because somebody else is there as the hero, and they're better, and, you know, but that's not, it's not what's in your heart, and it depends on what you do and how you feel, and I think... Mr. Glass was a piece of shit. He killed a bunch of people on the train. He killed the uh, nicer of the nurses, which was a little disappointing. I guess they both died in the end. But um, I think he goes out a heroic death, maybe? I think it's uh, too much to say he goes out a hero. But I thought it was really interesting. Uh, if, you know, had he not done what he did, there was no way, knowing what you know by the end of that movie, there was no way it was actually going to be a good a good conclusion. And I don't mean for the film, I mean for the characters. There's no way it would be good for them had he not broken that secrecy veil that was sort of abducting and keeping superheroes from the, the public light. Sorry, more coffee. I've gotten this weird habit of, we used to have wooden stir sticks at work in the coffee room, and now we have these, like, plastic, like, the mini straw stir sticks. And, like, I say mini straw because I use them as straws. And, I don't know. I'm gonna feel like that's why they're there. Because otherwise you just do them flat, like a wooden stick. But, anyway, 
Uh, speaking of that actress, the reason I wanted to get into it was I was arguing with the, the two of those ladies as well about the nature of the relationship with the Horde and... Um, fuck, her name escapes me. Anyway, y'all know who. I just talked about her. I'm going to look it up because it bothers me. But um, she plays an important role in the story in that she's able to calm down the horde. She's able to subdue the beast a little bit. She has some agency with him, and she's apparently his next of kin in a way to receive the video. Um, but her name is, uh, the actress is Anya Taylor-Joy, and she's Casey. It's, um, just trying to figure out. Anyway, Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm just reading stuff on the... No matter. Does not matter. Anywho. So, I think if you're going to have... If you're going to have a relationship suggested, like the two of them have, you can either look at it as them being friends, or you can look at them as, like, romantic, attract, you know, girlfriend-boyfriend type stuff. And it was just really interesting because we were looking at it from sort of a psychological point of view and sort of a Stockholm Syndrome point of view and it does raise a lot of questions one of the personalities Hedwig and probably more than just one see her as a, a girlfriend so obviously some nature of them understand there, there's that component of the relationship and at the same time there's a lot of like obviously longing looks and stuff and James McAvoy got swole for the role so it's not like like, it's more of a, a Ted Bundy-type abductor than a John Wayne Gacy-type. Uh, so, I don't know. I don't see how you could develop a friendship with somebody over something like that, given their circumstances. But I can understand somebody developing, like, a Stockholm Syndrome-type attraction and, like, complex there. So, I don't know. It's interesting. I wish that they would give you more of an answer one way or another. Either, like, the level of their friendship, which is cool, and how people with their damages can bond despite <laughs> abductions, or, like, some sort of understanding that it was more of, like, romantic. And I think it's probably for the best for, to say, you know, the sake of taste and sensibility that it, maybe they are friends, but I think the movie definitely <laughs> does not give off that vibe. I think in, in 40 years or something, they'll look back at it and be like, oh, that's what they were saying. But I wouldn't highly recommend it. I think it's one of the best <laughs> uh, superhero trilogies, I would say, just because the ones that are consistently good as trilogies are limited. They'll have that shitty one in the middle there somewhere. Dark World. But I, I will not suffer that aimed at Captain America. I think those are three phenomenal movies. I just bought all of them on Amazon, so I'm a little biased. But, um, yeah, Glass was amazing. I would see it. I don't think you need to see it in theaters. I don't think... Uh, that's really what I ask myself nowadays, because I hate going... I hate that I hate that. Uh, I Going to the movies is one of my primal, like, cardinal joys. Like... It, it's everything for me. It's what I could do every day. I could go on the weekends. I love being there. I love the smell of that place. I like the trailers. I like eating popcorn. I like it's relaxed. You just have to stare at a screen in the dark. I like watching new movies. I like how 
different the fucking visual and audio experience is. Since I was a kid, this has been the level of, of enjoyment. And now I'm, I'm assaulted on all sides by people texting during the movie and people talking on their dates during the movie and people putting their feet on the back of my seat during the movie. People dropping their stuff. People just laughing. People vaping and smoking. Just people are swine. <laughs> and I don't understand. I don't understand where courtesy went. I'm not even saying, oh, we need to bring ushers back. Because in Toronto, most theaters never had ushers. But for some reason, I, like, I've always been as strict <laughs> with my own conduct and therefore with the expectations of other people's conduct in movie theaters. I've always been rigid with that because it's like a play. You go there to enjoy it. I don't go there to hear or to talk or to project anything of my own. I'm there to respect the space and receive what I'm viewing. So shut the fuck up. <laughs> Yeah. It's another thing. Coughing is one thing. Coughing because my throat's dry and I'm drinking coffee at like six in the morning. But the amount of like unnecessary horking and coughing and we went to the orchestra and I, I told you every time there was a 15 minute break, you know, they would stop and they would have like a moment where they're changing the instruments. And there was clearly like no, going to be no music playing. Everyone takes that as a chance to communally like clear their throat and like snort and just a bunch of animals, man. <laughs> and uh, probably going to wind it down there for now, guys. Speaking of animals, though, I've been reading a lot of Warhammer Fantasy lore. Uh, I'm probably going to be jumping back into that game. Um, I don't know why. In my head, that connection made a lot more sense. I've been reading a like an online story. It was like the Wood Elves versus the Beastmen. Um, two factions in the game, kind of self-explanatory for what they are. Like, elves live in the forest versus like mutated, you know, goat people and such in the woods. Uh, but yeah, big fan of uh, Warhammer. Fantasy was the one I played first when I was like seven, eight, maybe. My brother and I played a couple of years, and then I got into 40k with some friends in um, elementary school. And I've been playing it since. So I think uh, I'm going to try to get together with some of my friends to do a game. And I will let you guys know more about that. I don't know what the interest out there is for Warhammer, but uh, I'm a big fan. And if you like 40K or you like fantasy, let me know. I play Space Wolves for uh, 40K. I'm going to do the next episode, I think, actually talking about the army. And for Warhammer, I actually have to buy some stuff. So I might be checking out the Age of Sigmar stuff on the website, on GW, and going from there. That was pretty much it. I think uh, I'm going to leave it there. been going through a lot of stuff and uh, quite busy lately, so the episodes have been a bit slow to come out and to be posted. I actually think I have the last one recorded on my phone and not posted yet. So, sorry about that, guys. But it is now February. I hope uh, your New Year's stuff is going better than mine was, <laughs> resolution-wise. And that's probably it. I will see you guys next time. And, uh, yeah, go check out Glass and Warhammer. If you've never heard of it, go to the website. It's like a tabletop game, but it's got enough lore to make 100 movies. 
wink, wink, Hollywood. All right, see you guys.